Ed, Tyler, Jared here in the press box on a Thursday. Big show ahead. Does Patrick Mahomes run more normal with a bad ankle than he does when he's fully healthy? That's a good question. Straightens him out. Yeah. Doesn't, got, doesn't have the, that weird walk. It's re- it's really the the like walk to the sideline. Yeah. That where he looks like he's hobbling when he's fully healthy, where he sort of looks like he's hobbling. The ankle all taped up, kind of straightens his yeah. ankle out so he can go straight. Now he's just got to try to fight off a limp, and it's like, oh yeah, that looks a little bit more normal than what you normally do when you go to talk to Andy Reid during the timeout. Patrick Holmes has uh, Patrick Mahomes has hip dysplasia. He might. <laughs> I think my bulldog has that. <laughs> He does have that dog in him. The first bite. Is Aaron Rodgers moving into Devontae Adams' neighborhood? Well, we've had this before, right? With the quarterback and the coach. Right Didn't next work door out to very other. well. Didn't work out very well. Both gone. So <laughs> for Devontae Adams to say he's moving in, I don't know if that's the smartest thing at this point, to nope. move into the neighborhood. Don't be don't be public neighbors with a teammate or a coach here in Vegas. It's not no. you're both going to be gone in like three it's not years. A good thing. You're both going to be selling the houses. Do we know did Gruden sell his house? I'm not sure if or he does did. he still live here. Pete DeBoer didn't. That's right. Just kept his house for kept that. Kept his house. Might retire here for that one meeting a year. Gruden seemed more like the Florida guy. He probably did sell the house. I think he did sell yeah, the house. There's there's a Tampa. There's a Tampa Bay area of Hooters that he is currently the occupant of well, what Monday was that? through Sunday. What was that John Daly story that Gruden had his own office and he probably just moved back yeah. into his office at Hooters? Oh, that is true. Yeah. yeah. John Gruden had an office at Hooters headquarters. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, he had to have sold it. I think house. he sold it. So Ooh. did you take Devontae Adams' tweet? serious yesterday no when, i didn't so, take it for anybody that didn't see it Devonte adams was like i'll answer questions on twitter one of the questions was where is aaron Rodgers moving or what neighborhood is aaron Rodgers moving into um and Devonte adams responded with mine yeah i think he's messing around i think he was too i think he was 100 percent messing around but i do enjoy it as a radio topic and i do enjoy whatever percentage of people took it seriously because... Oh, some did for sure. Yeah. Devontae Raider Adams. fans did for sure. He knows Aaron Rodgers, so maybe he knows where he's moving. It's great. Um, I also... God, part of me wants Aaron Rodgers to come here just to hear Devontae Adams say something about having a Hall of Fame quarterback again. <laughs> His dream quarterback? <laughs> it's, it's, it's a dream. It's been a dream of mine for him to come and play with him again? Because he... It was all about playing with his best friend, playing with his college teammate, Derek Carr. After one year, now it's okay, done with that. Here comes Aaron Rodgers. But also the fantastic quote of going from one Hall of Famer to To another another. when he was changing teams and then having to backtrack, be like, ah, Derek Carr's good, but I didn't mean to call him a Hall of Famer. Right, right. It's great. So I kind of hope Aaron Rodgers comes just to see what Devontae Adams has to say about Aaron Rodgers being here. After spending a whole year pumping up how great Derek Carr was, and ah, I'll kick him out, and now I'm moving in next to Aaron Rodgers. The other, the other thing that could be bad for you if you're Devontae Adams and or Aaron Rodgers, don't go to the local park and throw passes like Zay Jones Ooh, yeah. did. You'll, you'll get one good year out of it, but then after that, see you later. Yeah. You're not here anymore. Stay away from the Summerlin Parks. Yeah, don't do it. It's not a good idea. Um, but I think what was uh, more serious quotes that I read yesterday. Dave Ziegler talked to the athletic and he gave a couple of quotes in there that I thought were interesting. Here's, here's the first one. He talked 
allocating a bunch of resources to one player at one position. I don't know how intelligent that is because you have to look at all the areas that you need to improve the team on. I don't think we're one or two 15 to $20 million players away from us building it exactly how we want to build it and having the right amount of depth and having the right amount of starting level players at different positions. Well, then you're not going to pay Aaron Rodgers $40 million a year. Aaron Rodgers is not the quarterback of this team. Yeah. If that, if that's, if that if quotes that's the true, truth. if the, if Dave Ziegler, if that's how he views it. And if Dave Ziegler has, you know, the final say, obviously Mark Davis could come in and say, go get me Aaron Rodgers. Right. And you got to go get Aaron Rodgers. But if Dave Ziegler has the final say, and that's his real mindset, Aaron no. Rodgers doesn't have a chance to no. be the quarterback here. I I do believe Rodgers is so if Rodgers gets traded, his cap hit to the team he gets traded to it's 30 is, something. Well, no, it's 31 total, but it gets cut, I think, basically in half to where it's 15 point something for the team he gets traded to. So Rodgers cap hit next year, if the Raiders traded for him, wouldn't actually be astronomical because the Raiders, the Packers have to take on some of that and there's dead money involved. But after that, it would jump up to a really high number. But still, Ziggler went out of his way to say one or two 15 to $20 million players. Rogers cap is still going to be $15 million. Mm-hmm. So the only way that that happens where you could have Rogers and not be paying him or not have a 15 to $20 million cap hit is if Rogers restructures his deal, yeah. which granted, he said he was open to, but I don't think he's open to playing for less than $15 million. No, I don't think he's, you know, because what is his salary for next year? 59, 59 is yeah. the cash he'll get yeah. next season. I don't think he's willing to restructure to that level. I don't either. Even so, if he has a nice house. So that quote just completely blew up to me. Any idea that Rodgers is the quarterback next year? And let me let me read you some more quotes from Ziggler. Talking about the quarterback position. One, he said, maybe if it's a young guy or something like that, it might be a step two or three years from now. That was him talking about the organization needing to take a step at the quarterback position and him saying, well, if we draft a guy, it might take us a couple of years to take that step. He also said, I think if you have the opportunity where you have a guy that's on a rookie deal and he's your guy and he's playing for you and he's a guy that you feel that you can win football games with. There's an element of capitalizing on that, especially where quarterback salaries are going and the guarantees and things like that. He's drafting a quarterback. I Reading that Q&A he did with The Athletic, they're drafting a quarterback. They're not chasing Aaron Rodgers. They're not giving Jimmy Garoppolo $25 million if he even plays for that next year. They're drafting a quarterback. So what do he do? Resign Stidham? That's probably what I would do. I think you, you just draft somebody? Yeah, you resign Stidham. You draft somebody in the first round. I, if I draft somebody at seven overall, or if I trade up and get them higher, I'm making that guy the starter right away. But if you have Stidham and one of those top quarterbacks and you say, all right, here's a quarterback competition, right? You're going to be paying whatever that rookie salary is. Plus Stidham is, uh, technically not under contract, but he's not going to be, I think he's, is he restricted free agent? He's not going to cost very much money to bring back. You're not going to be paying a lot of money to that quarterback position. You're going to be paying those two less than you'd be paying. Aaron Rodgers, Jimmy Garoppolo, even if they ended up with like Geno Smith or something like that, you're going to be paying much less for the rookie and Stidham. And based on everything Ziggler said, that's what this team's doing next year. It's not going to be Rodgers. It's not going to be Geno Smith. It's not who, who else is going to be available. They're not going to chase Lamar. Not at that level. Yeah. It's going to be cheap quarterback play. They have a top 10 pick. 
and they're going to try to use that to get a quarterback. And that's what they're going to do. Unless, I guess, Mark Davis comes in and overrules them. Yeah, I don't know. I think they can talk Mark Davis into this is the best path. I think so, too. I really do. I think they can talk him into, no, this is the best path for us to rebuild and to win consistently rather than try to get a guy for a year, paying him a bunch of money and take a chance that you can't be better elsewhere. Right. So everything Ziggler said sort of lays out them drafting a quarterback in the first round and that being their guy. The other part of that story, do you remember Buffalo's GM a couple weeks ago? Sure, about Cincinnati. And he was like, you know, to, to pick high enough to get Jamar Chase. Got to be bad. You got to be bad. Ziggler actually sort of mentioned that, and he was like, listen, we, you, you don't want to be bad. And he's like, there's obviously a positive to it. You get a high draft pick, but you don't want that. And to me, when I, when I heard him talking about that and saying, hey, that's not what we want to do. We want to win right now. It made it to me even more likely that they use a quarterback because they're drafting in the top 10. If things go well, Dave Ziegler's looking at this saying, we're never going to draft this high again, right? We're going to be good and we're going to be drafting in the teens or the 20s. So we're not going to be drafting this high. So while we are drafting this high, let's try to go get the quarterback because it's a a lot easier to trade up from seven to one or two than it is to trade up from 19 to one or two or whatever. So I think they're drafting quarterback. I, I, I'm convinced. You think they're now. staying at seven, or they're going to put a huge deal on the table? Because Which, those, because the two guys are going to be gone. Are they okay? We are going to have to get into mock drafts after the Super Bowl. Why do I keep seeing Will Levis in like the top three? I don't. I've seen Young and Stroud in yeah. the top three. Or I've four. seen multiple ones where Will. Le- I think it was CBS Sports had the Colts trade up to one and draft Will Levis. I'm, I'm, we'll have to, we'll have to get more into it because it depends on who the Raiders think is their top quarterback, right? Because we've sort of been operating under the assumption of, well, if it's Levis, you might be able to wait. Yeah. You might get him at seven and get him. But now it's like, ah, teams are going to trade up and draft Will Levis. And it's like, well, if they're doing that, you better go get to number one because they might all be gone before seven or maybe. Maybe Bryce Young falls to you at seven in this scenario because everybody falls in love with Levis. Again, their mock drafts, is that reality of what's going to happen? No, but the general consensus we've had is Young and Stroud, and then there's a gap, and then it's right. Levis. And then and there's then Levis, and then Anthony there's Richardson. Anthony Richardson. But maybe that changes by the time draft day rolls around, and it changes how you Could should be, be Anthony Richardson? up. You better sign someone also. Then. Yeah, I mean, Anthony Richardson with Stidham would probably be, oh, Stidham's going to be your quarterback. Right. But right. I, at seven, that's probably too high. If you told me the Raiders managed to trade down from seven to like 14 and they pick up a, what, what would that be, another second round pick or something like that? And take him there? And take Richardson? That I, If you like him, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate that. I don't know that he's going to be the guy, but I wouldn't hate that maneuvering in the draft. If you just take him straight up at seven... This might be a little high, and if you take a guy at seven and then say, ah, we're going to start Stidham for two more years and then turn it over to Richardson, that's not ideal. Right. So we'll we'll see which quarterbacks are actually one, two, three once we get there and how necessary it is to trade up might be extremely necessary. All right, coming up next on ESPN Las Vegas, 
Mark Stone had back surgery again. Jackson three-pointer is an air ball. Clark the rebound. Knocked out of his hand. Stolen. Dame's got it. Feeds Eubanks in the break. Eubanks in the drive. Hammers it down. And he puts Jaron Jackson Jr. into the vault. A double-double on the birthday of Drew Eubanks. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios, this is the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff. I was not ready to get this press release yesterday. Mark Stone undergoes successful back surgery. Golden Knight sent that out yesterday. Uh, He was injured on January 12th. According to their press release, he had surgery on January 31st. He had... um, two weeks basically of trying to rehab his back to get back onto the ice. And then they decided surgery was the best course of action. There was no timeline given for Mark stone, just that he's out of the lineup indefinitely, but is expected to make a full recovery. And maybe the most important detail, Mark stone had back surgery in may of 2022, less than a year later, Mark stone has had another back surgery. Should we assume he's done for the season? I think that it's plausible every in every sense plausible. I mean, I don't think you can sit here and believe that he's coming back. We we've talked about this before. Back injuries are not knee injuries. I mean, this is a second back surgery. That's serious stuff. Yep. So yeah. I mean, if you you have to make a determination on that, I would determine that he's out for the year. Is it uh before we come back to this season, is it hyperbolic? Is it an overreaction to think that like Mark Stone's career could be over? I was thinking about this on the way in. Um, a question, if he does come back, uh, to ask him is if he, if he was worried about that. Um, two back surgeries is a lot. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to say that, but uh, when you're dealing with the back, um, I think that that's a, you know, that's a legitimate yeah. question to ask. Yeah. I mean, obviously, neither one of us are doctors. We don't know no, what the I'm extent not of this is, to be. but... The, the stuff that jumps out to me is if you go back to the, the fall, Mark Stone has his back surgery in May. He, you know, starts skating and all that. He's coming back. He's, he's ready to go for the start of the season. All of the stories about Mark Stone's back were like, oh, that's behind him now, right? He's mm-hmm. recovered. Yeah. He's, he's good to yeah. go. It's, it's he's no he's problem. Fine. It's, you know, Mark Stone's back to being Mark Stone. And then we saw during the season, Mark Stone was Mark Stone. But then you injure your back again, and you you think initially, oh, we'll, we'll just take some time off, rehab, and I'll be right back on the ice in a couple of weeks. And then after two weeks of that, and it not apparently getting much better, they, have, they decide they have to do back surgery again. None, none of that. All of that is a massive just red flag to me. All of that is just this could be... And it hasn't... It hasn't been determined if it's the same injury, right? No. So they did not say what kind of surgery it was. Uh, we do know what kind of surgery it was. I can't remember. Some disc lumbar. The first or one. Yeah. Jared, look that up and uh, have trouble pronouncing it. It'll be good. good I'm radio. on it. Uh, but yeah, we, we actually do know what surgery he had in May. They did not announce what kind of surgery he had right. uh, two days ago, three days ago. Um, so if we come back to this season and again, diff- could be a different surgery. But Mark Stone had his back surgery in May, and then his rehab was, he didn't start skating, I should say, for another three months after his back surgery in May. If that played out the exact same timeline, then Mark Stone wouldn't be skating again 
until after the regular season is over. We would be about a month into the playoffs until Mark Stone, and again, would be skating again. Right. Not necessarily ready to play hockey right. again, just skating again. So if it's the same recovery process, Stone's probably done for the entire year. There's maybe a chance he could come back late in the playoffs, but Stone's probably done for the if entire in fact year. It's the same recovery. Right. And it's a back surgery. I don't know that there's a fast recovery from a back surgery no. to play hockey. So I think that's probably a fair assumption at this point. Then Stone is likely done for the year. And maybe they didn't say that yesterday because there is a chance he could come back in the playoffs at some point if they play long enough. He had a lumbar disectomy oh, on May 19th, right. 2022. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, that's, that one was easy. Right. Okay. I know both those words. So you had a dissectomy. Dissectomy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so Mark Stone back injury, potentially done for the season, uh, which is brutal for him as a player, brutal for the golden Knights as an organization. But here's the question for the front office. Now you got $9.5 million to spend in cap space. If you put them on long-term IR, which they will, right? If they don't, then he would have to be coming back soon, which no, would seemingly be a not, heroic recovery right. from yes. a back surgery. So what do you do with it? The way this kind of works for the Golden Knights is when they put them on long-term IR, it, as long as they do it right, they'll have about $9.5 million to spend now. Um, Justin Emerson on Twitter yesterday suggested Patrick Kane, who could be available. His cap hit is $10.5 million, so there might need to be a little bit of maneuvering to get that to work. Uh, I think you probably try to add like three. If you're going to spend the 9.5, you probably try to add like three players instead of just one big one. Big time player. In Patrick Kane. You probably try to find a few guys that cost that. Now, roster limits and all that. Again, there's going to have to be some other moves, some other move player movement in there. But they could conceivably fill Mark Stone's salary cap hit with multiple players. And when we talk about the forward depth that they've been lacking, if they can add two guys that can actually score goals, two guys that are like, ah, he's like an 18, 20 goal scorer or something like that. That might be a, make this team significantly better. Even though they don't have Mark Stone. So I'm just adding one big name player like they have in the past. Right. So I'd be fascinated to see how they do this, but I have full confidence they're going to take advantage of it because they always take advantage of it and they love long-term IR because here's the, here's the fun stat salary cap this year in the NHL is $82 million. The golden Knights who are already using long-term IR Robin Leonard, they traded for the Shea Weber contract. They're already at $96 million in salary. If they add nine more million dollars through long or through Mark Stone going on long-term IR, They'll be 20, they'll have a roster that is $23 million over the cap. Now, again, Stone would be out. Shea Weber was never playing for this team. Leonard would be out. So it's not like they're icing a $105 million roster, but they would have $23 million in salary over the salary cap, which is an insane number to think about in a sport where the salary cap is less than $100 million. Right. So they'll do it too. Fully expect. Is it ironic the two snake guys are now on long term IR? Oh. Don't, one don't, with snakes in his backyard and one who finds them. Don't have snakes is, I think, the, yeah, the moral of the story Yeah, that's here. the moral of the story. Don't have snakes. Do not engage in snakes. Oh, so, 
Yeah, snakes are not good. I don't think I'd want to engage in them anyways. I think even if you told me good things would happen, <laughs> exactly. I'd be like, no, I'll pass. I'll pass on the snakes, but don't buy snakes from some guy in Missouri and don't <laughs> um, and don't let that guy go in your backyard. Guy, yeah, come find snakes or plant snakes <laughs> in your backyard. Eh, not sure which one that is. So Golden Knights without Mark Stone, uh, but from a rest of season standpoint might not actually be the worst thing given what they can do with long-term IR and the possibilities that they can add to this roster much more significantly now than they could have before because stone is on long-term IR. I don't think again, going back to the original or the first one of the first questions, I, like I said, I don't think it's completely crazy to wonder about his guy with this guy's future as a hockey player. Yeah. I don't think it's I don't think it's crazy at all. Yeah. I don't want to put that out there too strongly because, like you said, we're not doctors and we don't know what the second surgery was. But two back surgeries in what less than a year? Right. I mean, I think there's there's two levels of concern for that. One is like, is he ever going to be back to normal? Right. You have two back surgeries. Are you when you come back from that second one, is he the same Mark Stone again, or is he a lesser version? But then maybe the the scarier one, if he does come back, is does he hurt it again? Right. I mean, that, that's what happened this time. He heard it again less than a year later. And if I remember correctly, there was no, this was not like an obvious, oh, he got hit here and that's where he hurt his back. Right. This was a, he left the game and people were like, oh, what happened? When did he get hurt? So that part's probably the scarier part is like, if he does come back, even if he is okay and he's Mark Stone again, does he hurt it again? Like how long until his back bothers him again? And he, does he have to have a third back surgery? So I think it's a fair question to ask at this point. Coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, Mike Grimala joins the show. Low block left at Shangoon. He'll turn behind the back pass, hands it to Jay Shantae, throws it off the window and puts it in for two. Beautiful pass and a nice finish between Alpi and Jay Sean. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Joining us now from the Las Vegas Sun is Mike Gramala. Good morning, Mike. Hi, Mike. Hey, guys. Are you, are you walking your dog? No, I am sitting in my house. Okay. All right. I look forward to Lucas barking at something in the background. It'll be fun. Um, all right. Here's a generic question for you. UNLV basketball, are they back? They are, I think, as back as they're going to be. Um, this is as close as we've seen to that. Uh, the team they look like during a 10-0 start. They're getting a, a little bit of reinforcement from um, some young players at this point in the year who weren't ready to play earlier in the season. So, um, yeah, you're seeing the same caliber of basketball that, that started the season hot. Um, now the question is, how is that really going to translate to the upper tier of the Mountain West? So um, that remains to be seen. Yeah, especially on the road, I think uh, I, they did beat Reno, as you know, Tyler uh, said yesterday in terms of one of the top teams. But I think until they get on the road against Reno, Boise, San Diego State, we really don't know where they are. Yeah, well, it's we've seen them beat New Mexico on the road. We've seen them uh, handle Nevada. Um, there's not, I don't think there's many teams in the conference they they can't beat. Um, it's just you know the, that mountain. Can you beat three in a row or two in a row in the Mountain West tournament? Um, playing this style where it's all defense and you're probably not going to make that many three pointers. So 
Um, same questions from earlier in the season. Um, they've, it's, they're, they're healthier. Eli Parquet obviously changes the way that they play. They're, they're much, much, much better defensively with him out there. Um, so, yeah, it's, they can beat some of those upper-tier teams. It's just a question of are they going to, um, and can they do it you know, on a consistent basis, meaning two or three in a row when the season is on the line. Do you think we should give Kevin Kruger uh, praise or criticism for using guys like Keyshawn Hall and Shane Noel and those two playing well and helping on this three-game winning streak? Like, is it criticism because he wasn't using them earlier or praise because, hey, he found some guys they put in the rotation that helped? I'm giving him 100% praise for developing those players. Um, I watch practice, um, pretty much every practice, and those guys were not ready to play earlier in the season. Um, they, they just weren't. Um, but in, in you could point to specific instances like Keyshawn Hall. He's probably still not ready to play on defense, but they're using him in a way that it sort of minimizes that, minimizes the, the losses there, and they're accentuating the gains uh, on the offensive end. Um, Shane Noel is a, a similar circumstance. He's, he had to learn the floor game of college basketball entirely. He just wasn't ready to play. So they brought those guys along slowly, but they've continued to coach them in practice, and now they are getting some um, valuable contributions from them. That's 100% uh, praise for Kevin Kruger and, and the coaching staff there. Milwaukee came back and played 14 minutes. Is he kind of back in the rotation? I don't know if he's back in the rotation. Um, that's a guy that they're probably going to handle lightly going forward. Um, he's going through a, uh, a, something with his confidence right now. Um, he's you know, below 30% from the free throw line, it's, it's, it's mental. So when he comes in and he gives you, you know, his first stint, he, I think he, he played three minutes in the first half, and he was really good. He was like five rebounds, he blocked a shot, um, he scored a, a putback. So if he does that right away, it's like, okay, he's, you, you're getting the good version tonight. But I think if he comes in to, to the next game uh, on Friday and he gets fouled right away and he misses two free throws in the first minute and then he's really disengaged. I could see Kruger taking him out and not putting him back in. So it may be a, a situational kind of play the rest of the way, which is tough because uh, Milwaukee brings some stuff that the other, the rest of the team doesn't, uh, some stuff that could be really useful. Um, so if uh, we'll see, maybe Kevin Kruger can build him up over these last eight games or so, but uh, I'm, I'm not sure he's a guy that they believe in right now. Uh, should Kevin Kruger listen to the show more since they're three and zero since they stopped switching all screens? Um, maybe that was a, a factor. <laughs> also, like just getting Parquet back was a big factor. I think everyone should listen to your show, um, <laughs> always, regardless. Sports fans, non-sports fans, um, across all demos. I think. Jared, you cutting this? Next time we need to do a promo. Call Mike. <laughs> Okay, especially, I'm on when, especially on the days when I'm on. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Thursday today exactly. at seven thirty yes. is a great yeah. time. Absolutely great time. I also uh, Keyshawn Gilbert actually looks like Keyshawn Gilbert from the first ten games of the season. If he finishes this year, you know, playing well, scoring fourteen, fifteen a game, shooting well from three, what are we going to look back and say happened in that you know eight game stretch where UNLV season sort of just fell completely apart? I think from watching with my own eyes, I think that when Eli Parquet went down, Gilbert was asked to do a lot more um, defensively, and that affected his offensive game. Uh, he's still a young player. 
when Parquet is back now, you see Eli Parquet taking those tough defensive matchups. Gives a little, gives Gilbert a little more freedom to, um, you know, not lay back, but sort of pick his spots defensively and then turn it up on offense. That's what I think happened. But we've asked coaches, uh, we've asked his teammates during the season um, when he when he's been up and down, like, well, you know, why is why did he play well tonight, or why did you know, et cetera. And the answer that we get consistently more than a couple times this year, is that he plays better when he's having fun, which to me sounds like a, a, an empty platitude that really doesn't mean anything. But they keep saying it specifically about Keyshawn Gilbert. Kevin Kruger said it a, a few times. Um, Jordan McCabe said it. Um, I think E.J. Harkless said it earlier in the year. For some reason, the team is convinced that Keyshawn Gilbert plays much better when he's just like throwing it out there and having fun and um, doing his thing. So, Maybe there's some truth to that. They seem to, to think that's the reason. I think it's just there's less on his plate now that Parquet is back. Is he is he playing better when he's having fun, or is he having fun because he's playing better? They they seem to think it's uh, caused by him having fun, which to me is not like a a, a, a tangible strategy that you can apply <laughs> going forward, unless it's like you give him a unless you like serve him a birthday cake in the locker room before every game and break out the party streamers and like, Hey, aren't we having a great time, Keyshawn and try to get him pumped up that way. Um, I don't think that's something that you can do. You can rely on long-term to keep him playing well, but uh, no, I think he's, it's, he's got a lot more energy. We've seen him subbed out more often. There was a play um, against Nevada where he sat out for a couple minutes down the stretch and then Kevin Kruger inserted him um, with 90 seconds left. Uh, on defense, in the very first possession, uh, he he stripped. Uh, I think it was Jared Lucas, and they got a, a big stop. And he just he came out with so much energy on that play because you know he had time to rest for a couple minutes. So it's I think it's deeper rotation, less responsibility defensively. Um, that's really that's opening fun. up, and his three point shot has come back, which always helps. That's probably the biggest thing. Oh, he's having fun on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> Got to pay more attention to the bench. Pay see more what's attention happening. to the bench. See, uh, Mike, uh, did you have any strong takeaways from Barry Odom's signing day yesterday in his first overall recruiting class? Uh, he he said uh, unequivocally, you know, without prompting. In part, uh, he said, you know, this is not a rebuilding project. The goal is to win now. So, oh, God. you know, they're looking for six wins, right? At least right off the bat. Um, he said the 2024 recruiting class is going to be um, have a lot of uh, local high school players. He reiterated that he's going to be a high school recruiting coach. He doesn't want to be a transfer portal coach. Um, but I think they did okay in the, in the portal this year. Um, defensively, they got a handful of guys who are probably going to come in and start right away. And then offensively, um, they took a different tack. They didn't uh, really bring in any big-name proven college guys, but they got – a uh, bunch of prospects who sort of fit the system that they're going to run, that sort of um, gadget, you know, go-go offensive system. So um, those, those are probably the biggest takeaways. They're sticking to the plan on both sides of the ball. This wasn't this recruiting class is probably not indicative of their overall strategy going forward because they're going to shift more to high school recruiting. Um, but he does think that there's enough talent to win now. Here's a most important question for you of the interview. Uh, looking through your Instagram, you posted some pictures from the Fort Collins, a library in Fort Collins or a bookstore in Fort Collins. 
Sure. Who took the pictures of you? Um, that one, it was um, uh, Fox Five Loma Villacana. Okay, all right. I was the, the photo tug on that one. I you see. didn't have you didn't ask someone in the store. That's to take what a picture I was hoping is a story oh. from Mike Gramala. <laughs> yeah, anxiety could you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> no, could you imagine? No, that was like um, got breakfast, and then there was a bookstore next door. Um, so we did that. No, <laughs> it, 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 ask someone to. It was this, 1992? No. Well, listen, there's a picture of you that's not a selfie, and there's no photo credit in yeah. the caption, so I maybe you really wanted this picture, and you asked somebody at the bookstore to take a photo. You know what? I could, yeah, I guess I could see that. If it was, yeah, I guess maybe I could do that. I'm I mean, not I know so you, so I don't think you would do that, which is why I was curious. Yeah, no, that you're right. That's a valid question. And I now, that, upon reflection... I could, in certain situations, see myself in an old-fashioned manner saying, hey, excuse me, would you mind taking a photo of me? But it would have to be, like, an important photo, something I really needed a photo of, not just a, a random photo of me standing there, you know? I could get that anyway. So, um, yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> He's Mike Gravala from the Las Vegas Sun. Mike, as always, Thanks, Mike. It. Thank you, guys. Uh, so there is Mike uh, at a bookstore, not asking strangers to take photos with him. Which that would have been the best. That's what that is what I was hoping for. Yes. Was him to be like, oh, you're not going to believe this. Like when he goes to Quiznos and gets yelled at by the person behind him, and that line. there's no meatball sandwiches yeah. left. Which, by the way, last week when we talked to Gramala and we talked about Quiznos, and I, I said there's none in Las Vegas. Multiple people told me on Twitter there is one in Las Vegas. Uh, so I will be going there. There sometime. was one. Don't know if it's still there down on, um, Rancho near the newspaper, but don't know if it's, I don't know if it's still there, but there was a Quiznos. There's the one that was, uh, people told me, what was it off of Charleston? I can't remember. I got to drive down I 15 to get there. So I won't be going there for a little while. Uh, but yeah, it, uh, okay. there's apparently there is one in the airport, but that doesn't count. No. That's no. That's not a real. No. That's no, not that's, a real quiz. That's inter- technically international waters. <laughs> <laughs> All right, coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, we'll get into some of the NBA. Out to the corner, Nas three ball away. Oh, he missed it long. It was on line. Nas with the offensive rebound. Oh, drives in it, throws it down with the right hand with 8.3 seconds left. We're back to the press box morning show with Ed Greeny and Tyler Bischoff. Last night in college basketball. Uh, Rutgers scored four seconds into the game and then led the entire way, which means Rutgers led for 39 minutes and 56 seconds out of a 40-minute game. Um, People on the internet who are talking about this can't confirm or deny that it is the longest time a team has led in a single game. The only way you could possibly lead for more time is if you got a technical before the game started, made a technical free throw, and then led the then entire, led the entire game. way. But I don't know that that's happened. I don't know how to. Surely it has. There's millions of college basketball games throughout time. But Rutgers had one of the uh, largest lead times in the history of the sport. That's tough to do, man. It is. It's especially, especially early. There's always like changing uh, right. and changing scores early. You're up six to four, and the other team yeah, gets exactly. a three. Yeah, exactly. The hardest part is actually, I think, scoring four seconds into the game. Get what? the tip and just run? Yeah, I mean, we saw... Check it up. We've seen one in college basketball and one in the NBA where a team won the tip and immediately stepped into a three, right. and I think those were three seconds in. 
so you can do it quickly, but like you, your center basically has to tip the ball into the basket is kind of what has to happen. For you. Would that count as a basket? On the jump ball, uh, you tip it into the tip basket? Tip it all the way back? Yeah, like could you punch it and it go in the basket and count? Does somebody else have to touch it for it to be a basket? That should that should count as four. That should be the four-point play fourth in basketball. One? You score on a jump. In the NBA, you score on a jump ball because they do it at the free throw line right, when right. it's a, a actual possession. Possession. That should be a four-pointer. If you can punch it in from the tip, yeah, I'm changing the rules of basketball right now. <laughs> Go for the, you're down four late. You got to get the jump ball and then win the tip, but win it straight to the basket. It Be great. Um, also in the NBA, the Celtics beat the Nets 139 to 96 last night. Uh, it was 46 to 16 at the end of the first quarter. Is KD worth that much? So here's, here's the thing with the NBA. You play 82 games. And this you play happens. a lot of games without your best players, whether right. it be for load management or, like in this case, Kevin Durant hurt. is injured. The Nets are top four in the East. They're a team that you would consider a possible contender to come out of the East, assuming Kevin Durant and everybody's healthy. But I, you lose 139 to 96. You're down 30 after one quarter. Don't these games happen every once in a while? Yeah, but that is, for whatever reason to me, that's like hard to look by and be like, oh yeah, that won't matter if they play the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. They'll be able to win that series. Will they? They got destroyed. I I mean, look, if they play a series, it's not going to be like that, I don't think, but. You're right. I mean, if there is there, there's not carryover from ten point losses. There might be carryover from being down thirty in the first yeah. quarter. It's just it's because the the thing in the NBA, and we've seen it more this year with teams coming back from ten point deficits. But the thing in the NBA and all of basketball, it's a game of runs. Why does everybody say that? Because one team jumps out to a fifteen point lead, right. and then six minutes later, oh, it's a three point game. You hear. In the last two weeks, I've heard games. Oh, they're up twenty six and they blew the lead. Right, like it. That's what basketball is and the the nets didn't do any of that the nets were like ah we're down 30 in the first see you later we'll pack it in we're not going we're not going on any runs the rest of the game we're actually going to lose by more from this point forward so i shouldn't mean a whole lot but i it's hard to look past 139 to 96 now here's the the nba trade deadline coming up uh in a few days do you think anybody's going to trade three first round picks for og ananobi from the toronto raptors Oh, that's a lot. He's a good player. They, they, uh, obviously, they. I think they put him on the on the block more than Siakam, right? I think they've decided to keep Siakam. Um, it depends. I guess it depends on where the picks are. Also, I mean, are they are they are they high picks? So are they, are they in the twenties? Are they protected? According to Sportsnet, the Knicks have shown interest in trading for OG Ananobi. Right now, the Knicks sit as the seven seed in the East, which means they'd be in the play-in round, which means they could lose the play-in round, and you could get a middle of the first round pick. But the other teams, the Pelicans and the Grizzlies, are interested. Now, I believe both of those teams have multiple picks, so it might not be their own, but Grizzlies are second in the West, and the Pelicans are sort of in the same spot as the Knicks there as the uh, 10th place team in the West. It is it's Three bizarre. first rounders. It's the NBA has gotten to a point where OG Ananobi, who if the Pelicans traded for him, right? You got Zion Williamson, you got Brandon Ingram, 
he's at best your third best player, right? Say, I mean, the Grizzlies have jaw and then a little bit more even, you know, grouping behind him. They don't really have a true number two. They just have a lot of good players, but he fits into that mold where, Hey, he's like your third best player or something like that. Same for the Knicks with Brunson and Julius Randall, right? It's fascinating that we're at a point in the NBA where a team would say, we're going to trade for our third best player and it's going to cost us three, three first round picks. picks. That is massive. Like that's, that's just a massive haul. But I think it comes down to how many NBA first round draft picks in like the twenties turn out to be something turn out to be more than a, a third best player, a role player or that like, not a lot. So if you say, oh, we need, we basically need the volume. If we're going to trade right, away OG right. and Obi, we need three picks because likely one of them will turn into an OG and Obi level player. So you got to give us three. It's just, I mean, NFL. If, is there, oh. if Rodgers got traded right now, is he going for three first? No. Yeah. Like, no. in the NFL, like there are players that would go for three first, but they're not available. But like, the guy who's most available this offseason is apparently Aaron Rodgers. And the Packers aren't going to get three first for him. Maybe get two first for him. Maybe Baltimore would get three for Lamar, but even then, probably not. It's great. I would say the most available is Zach Wilson. That dude is super available. <laughs> is he, though? They're I like, mean, we're going to stand you, by him. Would you give up three for the Bears' number one pick if you fell in love with uh, one of those two quarterbacks? Absolutely. Yeah, picks for picks might actually be. Yeah, you probably, somebody probably would. If they. We're like, oh, we CJ Stroud is it, right? Or Will Levis, CJ Stroud is it? <laughs> you might, you might say, hey, we'll give up our our seven, and then you know, two the more. Raiders seventh, and then two more. It's a lot, but somebody might actually do it. I wouldn't, but somebody would. OG Ananobi though, three picks.